five, four, three, two, one. I'm John Miglosh for the WDMA. <laughs> Best 4th of July ever, I have to say. And uh, you got a picture of me. You might have seen a picture of me. I don't know if you did or not. Um, but we'll go back there and show it. That's me with my little Mariana. I got lots of grandpa time. And so it was definitely the best 4th of July ever. So let's get over to Tom Fishburn and see what he's got to say. Five stages of price promotion. We don't discount denial. This is a premium brand. Anger. <clears throat> premium brand. The spike in sales would be nice. Bargaining. <laughs> these are the, we shouldn't make fun of these, but these are the five, five uh, stages of grief. Grief. <clears throat> Depression. Once you start, it's hard to stop. Acceptance. Buy one, get two for free. Sale. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? You know, I talk about Land's End. I don't have any Land's End on today that I can think of. But I did place an order. I've been keeping an eye on some of their, uh, some of their promotions and things. And um, I thought they were going to Slim Jims, but I, then I realized a little late that this is Land's End Business up here. Business. Okay, so the Land's End Business is testing out a Slim Jim, and Daniel over at Land's End told me they would be testing some things. This is a fairly slim catalog. So I went in there, and they did have my Super T turtlenecks because I bought a belt, a nice belt. It came out really well. The reversible brown belt. <clears throat> dark and light brown beautiful and it said 40% off so I you know I kind of watch for that so I thought I'd get it and then I got on the site and um, one of the things that they do now is that they put red lines or red they highlight the sale price in red I don't know if you, you probably can't see that but they highlight the sale price in red price prices shown reflect total savings okay so they take the sale price but they've been pretty consistent about promotion, and I'm a little concerned about them, you know, because, you know, that the belt plus the turtleneck, I think, retail was 120 or something, and I got it for, well, then I got on the website, and I, there was a 50% promotion. They used nautical terms. For, you had to type in ahoy, I think, or something like that, and, um, but but I had kept it a couple of days because I was waiting for a, a an item I I had I had ordered a belt on you on uh, eBay, and by the time I got the kind of confirmation of the return going through and the credit coming through, I um, that promo code had expired, and my wife said, "Well, call them. Maybe they'll give you the promo code." It was fifty percent off and free shipping. <clears throat> How about that? And so. Um, I started to do that, but before I did, I somehow left, closed it, I figured I might as well close it, and I brought it back up, and there was a new promo code for 50% off, so I got it for 57 with tax and everything. So I kind of do watch for that. You know, I remember when I used to, when I used to buy from Paul Frederick, that they would have, uh, the catalog wouldn't have price promotion, but Every now and then they would save, they would send uh, an email, and I would look for that. So they had trained me 
to take the price promotion. And um, yes, you do train your, your customers. And yes, I would have bought it anyway. I might not have thrown in the t-shirt. But because of the promo, there was enough, uh, there was enough price reduction that I was, I had a $50 gift certificate or something. And so I threw the t-shirt in there. Um, okay, so price promotions are a drug. They're crack co the crack cocaine of marketing. Uh, Les Bennett said that. There he is over there. And um, I, I, I think I'm connected with Les, so I'll tag him in this article. Much of the spike in sales that brands see during price promotions subsidizes consumers who would have bought anyway time shifting or moving from other sales channels if you keep doing it you increase your price sensitivity yes they do pay attention reduce your pricing power and erode your margins you know and it's especially concerning with land's end because they have like a unlimited guarantee unless they've changed that but um they always did uh and i suppose if they if I found out that they didn't, I would probably call and complain, and they'd probably give it to me anyway. Although I had a friend who used to wear out shirts and then send them back for new ones. And I think that, you know, that's unethical, and I don't think they should have accepted that. <laughs> and one of the things we did when we were doing the customer modeling for um, Bullock & Jones is we kept track. We kept track and we not only charged an order processing fee when a customer placed an order to make sure we were making EBITDA bottom line profit. So we, 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 on every mailing, we would take into account the cost per piece for every customer. We would build a little P&L for every customer. We would take into account the cost of goods of the items they bought. And we would also charge the order with an order processing fee. And this is just standard in our, in our system. But because they had a high level of returns, because it's clothing and footwear and such, we also added that when somebody returned items, instead of just subtracting the price they paid from the original order, we also added a second order processing fee. And you could say, well, it doesn't cost quite as much to reprocess a return as it does to pick and pack and ship an order. Well... It, yes, it probably does. Probably it might even be worse um, because then you have to sell it at a discounted price. And so uh, what that showed us was that some of the customers that looked the best when you modeled on response rate, many modelers model on response rate. Did they order or didn't they? Or when you ordered on life today or uh, recent sales, if you just order model on sales, the best buyers could be the ones that return the most. But when you take that order processing cost out, then many of those buyers actually had a life-to-date negative margin, negative EBITDA, if you will. And so we made sure not to mail them again. So they could still order from us, but they'd have to find us. We're not going to, we're not going to, you know, <laughs> announce to their door that they can have a special price and that they can return it anytime they want and take advantage of our other customers. Because that's really what you're allowing. You're allowing 
customer unethical customers to take advantage of your good customers that say well you know i bought this sport coat and uh i wore it for years i did do that with paul frederick one time because something happened to it and it wasn't right from the from day one and so i wore it not not for years it didn't wear it out but you know i called him and i said i don't i don't mean to return this but you should know that it wasn't built properly and say they said well please send it back and we'll give you credit for we it's it's out of the range that we even know what you paid for it but we'll give you you know a reasonable price that it was back a few years and uh we'll give you a credit and so i bought another sport coat and it was better so they got a chance to keep it keep me you know and lands end has done that for me over the years too so competitive brands can accelerate a race to the bottom right and you probably know this if you've ever done pricing or pricing theory eventually brands reach rock bottom according to mark ritson um and i have a mark ritson it's called a doom loop and i have a mark ritson i have two mark ritsons and an article mark mentions but i think we're going to give you a break today and not give you all of that but anyway so i have all this stacked up maybe we'll do that tomorrow uh, eventually brands reach rock bottom where promotional pricing becomes the norm selling at the rec recommended retail price becomes a minor uh, minority activity and many organizations then begin to cut quality and I'm concerned that maybe that'll happen with Lance End. I hope not um, it did happen with Eddie Bauer I know that for sure because I used to buy some Eddie Bauer products I used to buy their turtlenecks and uh, they have an outlet store not too far or else kind of on the way to church and that outlet store ended up becoming well i bought a, a couple of turtlenecks and they were just they were just garbage they just the necks i i evaluate a turtleneck by how well the neck holds up and whether it stays kind of tight and these just first washing they just were all floppy and they lost all their elasticity so you know if you want the specifics and i talked to one of the my friends who was consulting for eddie bauer and he said yeah they've been cutting quality quite a bit this was i don't know probably 15 years ago but i've i don't think i've ever bought eddie bauer since and when i see it on people i go uh mm -hmm. they don't know so most organizations develop a promotional addiction because of an overemphasis on sales and an ignorance of profits that was the story at, at Tyrell's which we'll get to in a day or two where initially premium product had gradually seen prices decline over the years revenues remained flat but by the time KP snacks acquired the brand its profit had completely disappeared and probably they got it for a song <laughs> that's what happens <laughs> when dumb people run a product it ends up selling at a fire sale and smart people can buy it at a very good price and maybe do something with it so uh the turnaround they knew they had to get off the short-term drug of promotions and invest in the brand instead and so in pulling back promotions they ultimately increased the average price by 29 percent which caused the overall volume in sales to drop by 27 percent right but you know you can't make up the, 
You can't lose a dollar on every sale and make it up by volume. It doesn't work. It just doesn't work. The math is not there. You can't do it. And so you either have to raise the price or you have to go under or sell out to somebody who will raise the price. So four years later, controller Dan Winslet called this a really squeaky bum moment. And unfortunately, the... <laughs> The product we're going to be talking about when we get to direct-to-consumer with Ritson is about, what's it called here? It's called Dude Wipes. We're going to be talking about Dude Wipes. And so, <laughs> it's, and it's hilarious. I've never heard of Dude Wipes, but I think maybe we all need them. Okay, and, you know, it's basically a, a baby wipe that's biodegradable, flushable. Uh, which is a great idea. So four years later, its revenue is up 40% at a much higher profit, and the market share has gone up also. So price promotions will always be part of brand, the brand marketing toolkit, but we always have to watch out for, for the slippery slope. And I want to also add that when we were doing the customer modeling for Musician's Friend, they had a sale catalog every two uh, twice a year, the summer and in uh, about January, and they had been mailing it to everybody. You know, they they'd been they they had a customer model, but it basically was just one model that they used over and over and over. So you know, it wasn't much different than an RFM saying who's the best customer, and they would just mail the best customers. And the big problem with that is is that whatever your threshold is of mailing, you know, say you want to mail a half a million of your customers. There are some customers that just don't deserve a catalog every month, but they'll get one every month. And just below that threshold, they won't get any at all. When we got to Cabela's, they were doing the same thing. They had an RFM that was basically a, uh, an absolute cutoff, 12 months. If you hadn't bought from them within 12 months, you wouldn't get a catalog anymore. And we found that the muzzleloader people were worth mailing four years later. Um, we also found that Zip codes with a high percentage of mobile homes were actually some of the best. It was one of the secret variables we found. We figured that what happened was uh, the Cabela's box landed on the doorstep, and um, oh, <laughs> the wife said, what the heck did you buy this time from Cabela's? And the husband said, oh, it's a muzzle order. It's so I can hunt that week between Thanksgiving and Christmas that is only for muzzle orders that I had to take off. You mean take off and help me with Christmas? Yeah, now I don't have to anymore. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, a couple of years went by without hearing from that buyer and we figure the divorce went through and he was now living in a mobile home park. And uh, sure enough, man, when hunting season rolled around, he was better than the hotline. <laughs> and we showed that to Dick. So we were able to find the good in the bad below the 12-month threshold. But anyway, so, uh, so with the sale catalog with Musician's Friend, we actually built a whole array of sale uh, variables. The uh, Smith Gardner system back in those days kept track on the order, on the order uh, detail lines. It kept track of the retail price and the price paid so that you could calculate what kind of a discount the buyer had enjoyed. And so we were able to find a whole category 
of buyers that basically only bought in the sale window. We were also able to find some of the best buyers that never, almost never bought sale items. And oftentimes those were the business managers of a successful band, right? Who didn't care about getting the best price. They, they cared that the, the concert was two days from now and they needed these certain brand of guitar picks or something like that. And so what we were able to do was suppress the customers, the very best customers that didn't care about sale items and use and, and also leverage deeper into customers that hadn't bought in a while, but only wanted to buy when there was a sale. So we don't waste postage and paper sending catalogs to people who weren't going to buy unless it was on sale, but we could mail deeper into older dormant customers by having the proper variables, which is essentially, well, it's the essence of marketing. It's the essence of modeling, in fact. And it's touched on in my book a little bit, Spinning Straw into Gold, but that's how you make money with data. That's one way. And uh, it covers a couple other ways that you make money with data. So that's enough for today. I'll get on to tomorrow. Have a great day. Like and repost. It's worth 12 or 20 likes. Bye-bye. Happy 4th of July yesterday.